Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Hi, Johnny. This is Steve Kilmer, Providential Life and Casualty. Steve, it's been a couple of years. Yeah, I know. Uh, listen, Johnny, how'd you like to attend a wedding? Well, why not, as long as it isn't mine? Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, you're a bachelor, too, huh? Well, I would be if it weren't for a wife, four kids, and a couple of grandchildren. Whoops. Johnny, do you by any chance remember Martha Mayfield Merriman? The old gal down in New York who owns Consolidated Tire and Rubber Company? Yeah, and a half a dozen other companies. Well, sure, one of my old sweethearts. Don't you remember back in 57 when I cleared up that false report of her death? Well, I thought she rigged that herself in order to make a killing in the stock market. Well, of course she did. But Steve, she must be 73 or 4 years old. 74. Well, don't tell me she's getting married again. No, it's her son, Edgar. Oh. But she insists that you be among those present at the ceremony. Well, now, that's kind of funny. I wonder why. Yeah, so do I. And I wonder why she'd have me call you. Unless she anticipates trouble of some kind. Johnny? Uh, okay, Steve. I'll run on down there. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Providential Life and Casualty Insurance Company Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Shankar Diamond matter. Expense account item 1780, train to New York in a cab to the Brownstone House on Sutton Place. Martha Mayfield Merriman, who looks more like somebody's cute little grandmother than a clever stock market operator, but who thinks and sounds like, well, judge for yourself. Can you dig that, Johnny? That sprout of mine is finally taking the leap, you sucker. Well, after all, Martha. Say, how about you, Johnny? How about what about me? You know, marriage. Well? Uh, let's change the subject, huh? Turn me down, huh? (laughs) 
Well, then I'll just have to wait a couple of years and try you again. Or has that Betty Lewis been making time with you behind my back? Oh, do you know Betty? No, but I heard the broadcast of that case where she kept you from getting knocked off by that gangster, that uh, curly water. Yeah, Martha, she saved my life. And then didn't have sense enough to get her hooks in you. Johnny, the dames nowadays are really slipping. Just don't you forget, though, that I've got a lead on all of them, because I've already proposed to you. Martha, you are a doll. Sure I am. And if I was a couple of years younger, Johnny, I'd run you ragged. Well, what do you mean, if you were a couple of years younger? Have you forgotten our night on the town after I handled that other case for you? Hey, we really had a ball, didn't we? Oh, boy, it took me nearly a week to recover. Well, then we'll just have to do it again after this wedding's over with. Uh, speaking of which, how would you like a little snort? Larkin! Uh, well, don't you think maybe we'd better... Oh, of course you would. Larkin! Larkin! Uh, you called, madam? Fine thing, snooping around outside the door, eh? Trying to find out what Johnny Dollar's doing here. Oh, certainly not, madam. Of course you were. Now bring us a couple of drinks. Scotch on the rocks okay, Johnny? Sure, anything. Well, hop to it, Larkin. Oh, and crack the wall safe and bring me the ring. The ring. Uh, very good, madam. No, good old Larkin. He's leaving me, you know, and I'm really going to miss him. Hey, wait a minute, Martha. Larkin has the combination to your wall safe? No, I know. What would he ever do with the junk I keep stashed away in it? What kind of no. junk? Just some odds and ends and necklaces and brooches and rings, mostly. A couple of bracelets. And what's the ring? The Shankar diamond. What? Isn't that the one I've read about? Mm, probably. The one supposed to be the opposite of the Hope Diamond that's supposed to have good luck charm about it? No, neither. Why, that thing's worth close to a million, isn't it? That's what the insurance company says. And you plan to wear it when your son Edgar gets married? Well, it's silly superstition, I suppose, but maybe it'll bring him and Mary Luann good luck in their marriage. Mary Luann? Mary Luann, Melanie Beaufort, Exum, Culpepper. Sounds like something out of Gone with the Wind. The most gorgeous bale in Greensboro, North Carolina, sir. Oh, is that where the wedding's going to be? At the old family plantation right outside of town. You're going to escort me to the wedding and the bang-up reception afterward. I understand those southern folks really know how to throw a wingding. Hey, tell me, Martha, do you expect somebody to make a try for that diamond? Well, sure, I always do. Some of the top jewel thieves in the country have tried to snatch that rock. Uh-huh. Now, who else knows that you've called me in? No, not a soul. Oh, good. Let's keep it that way. I'm with you. Okay, then. I'll run on back to Hartford and get some clothes to fit the occasion. Johnny, with you and tails and me and a set of threads that Balenciaga socked me a couple of G's for... We're going to knock them dead. <laughs> then I'll come back here. We'll pick up the diamond and go down to Greensboro together. I know. We'll take one of my company planes. Just the two of us, Johnny, with maybe a case of champagne on board. How about that? Martha, we will have us a ball. Fighting hell. And if I have that much get up and go when I'm her age, well, I hope she'll live forever. Yeah, the trip to Greensboro sounded like it would really be a ball. But just before I left her, Larkin brought in the Shankar diamond. All 34 carats of it. Flawless. Perfect. Beautiful. And it suddenly occurred to me that somebody who wanted that stone, wanted it really bad, might not hesitate to kill for it. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. And now for another episode in the life of Sergeant Donald Bellwether, my husband.
good dinner, Eva. Oh, that was delicious. Well, I'm glad to hear that, dear. More coffee? Uh, yeah, just uh, about a half a cup, please. All right. There you are. Thank you. Now, tell me all about your safety class. Did the boys enjoy your speech? Oh, yeah, they sure did, thanks to you. I did quite well. My lieutenant complimented me afterwards. Well, good. Yeah, but that same lieutenant threw me a curve, too. How, dear? Well, after I gave my talk, he asked the men if there were any questions. <laughs> well, that did it. So one of the guys stood up and said, uh, said, uh, look, Sarge, uh, you claim there were over 95,000 deaths and over 9.5 million people injured in accidents in the U.S. last year. Uh, looks to me like all those safety campaigns and slogans are doing no good at all. Oh, how did you answer it? I didn't. I couldn't think of an answer. I got out of it by saying I'd have more facts and figures at the next meeting. All right, let's see now. Oh, yeah, here it is. Now, first, Sergeant Bellwether, you start off by telling the boys that since 1913, the accidental death rate has been reduced 35%. Mm-hmm. Or, in other words, if there hadn't been campaigns and safety measures put into effect to reduce accidents, almost a million more people would have been killed in the last 46 years. Hmm, is that right? It certainly is. I'm reading it right out of the National Safety Council record book. Oh, and another thing. Accidents in the farming areas are much higher than in the city. Now, do you know why? Why? Because in rural areas, there are fewer policemen enforcing safety laws and less traffic signs and signals to guide the motorists. Mm-hmm. You know, many more cars travel the city streets, and yet the per capita rate of accidents is much higher in the rural areas. Of course, the reason is obvious. In the city, more safety measures are instituted and obeyed. Reba, you are wonderful. That, that's a good logical answer. I don't know what I'd do without you. Oh, oh, that's my Donald. That's my doll. And now, Act Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Shankar Diamond Matter. Expense account item two, sixteen fifty. The trip to Hartford for my formal clothes, then back to New York in the home of Martha Mayfield Merriman. By the time I arrived, she was packed for the trip to Greensboro, North Carolina, and the wedding of her son Edgar. Her chauffeur drove us to the airport, and then, much to my surprise, took over as pilot of the huge private two-engine plane that was waiting for us. Within a few minutes, we were airborne and on our way. And in my pocket was the ring, the Shankar diamond. What are you looking so glum about, Johnny? You, Martha. Oh, what are you talking about? I'm the one who ought to have the sour puss. I proposed to you. You turned me down. Martha, I don't think you really level with me. You think I wouldn't marry you, you good-looking... No, no, no. I mean about this diamond. Now, Johnny, I don't dig you. Well, if there had been some real serious attempts to steal it before, I would have been warned by the insurance company. Well, so they forgot to tell you, is all. Is it? Or do you have reason to think that somebody's going to try to get it now? while you're away from your usual police protection. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, Martha. Who? Did you get a look at my chauffeur, Johnny? The laddie who's steering this crate? Well, I could hardly help it. If you mean to say... Yes. Yes, Johnny, I think the only reason Eric ever took a job with me was to get his hands on that diamond. Eric who? Eric Melvin Chatterley. Chatterley? Yes, he's a distant cousin of Larkin, my butler. And Larkin's leaving you shortly. To spend his last days in his beloved England. Did Larkin recommend him no, to you? No, no. 
actually, he didn't even know much about Eric, in spite of their being related. Well, how long has Larkin been with you? Oh, years. And this Eric? Five or six months. Martha, why do you suspect him? Well, now, two reasons. In checking up on him after I hired him, I found out that his old man, Byron Chatterley, is still serving time in an English prison. What for? He was a jewel thief. Sure, sure. I remember reading about him. He was a real expert, painstaking and patient. Spent over three years working on a plan to get hold of the crown jewel. But he didn't plan long enough, and that's when they nabbed him. If some of the head shrinkers are right, if, if crime is in Eric's blood, well... What was your second reason? Well, about a week ago, I found Eric alone in the study. And I think he was casing the wall safe. But you're not sure? He had a dust cloth, and he started flicking it around, muttering something about giving Lark in a hand, which is highly unlikely. You didn't accuse him? No, no. Just made it known that I was going to take the diamond with me to the wedding. And I sent for you. Hmm. But if he knows who I am, what my business well, is... I don't see how he can. I beg your pardon, madam. Wait, Johnny. Is there any way he could have been hearing us up there in the pilot's compartment? No, I don't see how. Yes, Eric? We'll land in Greensboro in about five minutes, madam. Thank you, Eric. We'll be ready. Well, Johnny? Martha... The only time you'll have this diamond is at the wedding. And the reception. After all, that's the only chance us old biddies will have to show off our furs and jewelry. Okay, and the reception. The rest of the time, it'll be right here with me. But nobody's to know that. Martha could be wrong, of course. About Eric, I mean. The fact remained that within a few hours, everybody in Greensboro knew about her being there with a the Shankar diamond. The Culpeppers made us comfortable in the old mansion. The suite they gave to Martha was big enough to house a family of 12. During the next 24 hours, the place was, well, I'd call it a kind of dignified madhouse, what with all the preparations for the wedding. There were house guests by the dozens. Some were obviously very wealthy, but some had just as obviously seen better days. And I couldn't help wondering if a couple of them might have designs on that million-dollar diamond. I stayed as close to Martha as possible and at the same time kept a constant watch on Eric. The police who'd been hired for the occasion appointed him as a special guard. Darn fools. They didn't know it, but they were playing right into his hands. If, that is, Martha's suspicions were right. Then, late the following afternoon, the wedding went off without a hitch. The blushing bride was beautiful, and the bridegroom looked appropriately happy. After the ceremony, the ladies all retired to protect themselves in their most fetching gowns and furs and jewels. And finally, about 8 p.m., the big reception got underway. There must have been a couple of hundred people in that ballroom, and the champagne and bourbon flowed like water. Yeah, and I danced with some of the prettiest, most gorgeous girls I've ever seen, right out of Charles of the Ritz. Then, it must have been well after midnight, I caught a glimpse of a shadowy face outside one of the big French windows. As I looked again, it disappeared, but I was sure that it was Eric. I excused myself from Martha, with whom I'd been talking, and, well, that was a mistake. As I reached the window, all the lights suddenly went out, and behind me I heard a scream. It was Martha, no question of it. By the time I fought my way back through the crowd to where I'd left her, the lights came up again. And yeah, there she lay, unconscious on the floor. The Shankar diamond stripped from her finger. Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Do you know who said, absolute freedom of the press to discuss public questions is a foundation stone of American liberty? Those words were said by former President Herbert Hoover. Mr. Hoover was well aware of the important role that freedom of the press had played in the creation and growth of the United States of America. 
He realized that without freedom of the press, no democratic form of government could exist. One of the first steps in the path toward totalitarianism is the creation of a controlled press. A free press hampers the work of a potential dictator. When the press is free, the people of a country are free. When the press is not free, the people of a country are in danger of slavery. Remember the words of Herbert Hoover. They are part of your American heritage. Freedom of the press is a foundation stone of American liberty. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Within a few minutes of the time the lights had gone out and Martha had been robbed, we had her upstairs in a suite of doctor in attendance. Fortunately, she'd only fainted from shock and the pain of having the Shankar diamond forcibly stripped from her finger. I acted fast. I had the special police haul Eric Chatterley into Greensboro. Then, after organizing a methodical search of the old mansion, I checked around outside the window where I'd seen Eric's face. And there, sure enough, was a main fuse box where the lights had been turned off. I checked back with Martha to be sure she was okay, then borrowed a car and drove into Greensboro to police headquarters. You all better give us some other reason to hold them on, Mr. Dollar. What do you mean, Chief? My boys went over every stitch on them, but they've found absolutely no sign of that diamond you're talking about. How about his quarters there at the plantation? Now, you know as well as I do, sir, he had no chance to hide anything except on his person. Hey. No, sir, unless you can prove me wrong, we got no reason to hold him. Wait. Where's the nearest hospital? Hospital? Yes. And, Chief, I give you odds I can find that diamond on Eric Chatterley. The X-ray of Chatterley's midsection took a few minutes. Development of the film, a few minutes more. Careful examination of it, only a few seconds. Great day, Mr. Dollar, you were right, sir. Yeah, was I? Look for yourself. He must have taken it out of the ring. But the important thing, the diamond is sitting right there in the middle of his stomach. The outline of that stone is just as clear. And that's just the trouble, Chief. Uh, trouble, sir? Oh, that's the stone that Eric tore off her finger, all right. So go ahead, hold on to him. But if that's it, sir... But, Chief, that's not the Shankar diamond. All right, Governor, all right. You caught me with the ruddy goods on me, so I'll take the rap for it. And it won't be the first time. <laughs> but you got to admit it was pretty clever of me. Clever? When you couldn't tell the difference between the real thing and a carefully made imitation? Imitation? That's right. The stone that you swallowed. No. He told me she had the real thing. When he got me the job with her. Who, Eric? At least when he wrote me I should come over from England and apply for the... Who, Eric? I've said enough. Yeah? I think you have it that. Eric, have the combination of that wall safe? Of course not. As I told you, the You're only... sure, Martha? Well, of course I am. When you say paste, an imitation... Johnny, are you kidding? When's the last time you wore the Shankar diamond? At the big charity ball last spring. If it was the Shankar, not this imitation you're talking about. You haven't had it cleaned or checked by a jeweler since. No, why should I? Then it probably wasn't the Shankar, and you're sure you didn't know about this imitation. Do you think I'd go around flashing a phony? Now, look here, Johnny. I love you dearly, but don't you cool me with a line like that. Don't rile me, boy. Okay, honey, okay. Keep your head on. Just get ready for a quick trip back to New York. As soon as I can find us another flyboy. During the flight back to New York, Martha asked a lot of questions, but I sidestepped all of them, promised her a real dramatic ending to the case. And I kind of quietly prayed for one myself. When we reached the old brownstone house on Sutton Place, we told Larkin the butler about the robbery. Then, at my insistence, went upstairs to his quarters on the fourth floor. 
Uh, here you are, sir. Afraid I don't understand. You've sure got me bugged too, Johnny. Larkin, I see you're already packing for your trip back to dear old England. Uh, yes, sir. During my four years of service with Madam, I find I've accumulated quite a. I beg your pardon, sir. I'm going through every one of these bags of yours, Larkin. Now, Johnny. Maybe even tear them apart to look for false bottoms, hidden compartments. Sir. I'll do the same thing to your clothes, your shoes, if necessary, until I find the Shankar diamond. Mr. Dollar. Madam. Now, Johnny, what's the gag? Sometimes blood will tell. Isn't what that head shrinker said to you? Well, yes, but I've... You were thinking only of Eric, of his relationship with the notorious Byron Chatterley, the man who quietly, patiently spent years working on a plan to get hold of a precious stone. You forgot all about Larkin being related to him. Now, just a minute, you... You trusted Larkin, to the point of letting him have the combination of the safe where you kept the Shankar. So he had an imitation made, a beauty... Out of a thing they call stress. Stress? Yeah. It's a highly leaded glass that only an expert can tell from a real diamond when it's cut correctly. That's what you've been wearing the last few times well, I up. just can't believe it. But Larkin realized that sooner or later the fake would be spotted. So he evolved another scheme. To have the fake one stolen by his distant cousin, Eric. Same blood, remember? If Eric got away with it, okay. And Larkin was clean. He could split with him later when Eric got wise to the phony. If Eric was caught as he was, Larkin's skirts would still be clean. Right, Larkin? Quite, sir. And uh, you won't need to destroy my luggage. I'll fetch you the diamond. Yeah, you may as well. But I must say, if you hadn't discovered the one Eric stole was paste... I'd never have got on to you. May I ask how you did it, sir? Sure. The x-ray of your beloved cousin's belly. Well, I realize, sir, that that's how you located the, the stone. It also told me it wasn't the real one. Well, so help me, Johnny. I don't dig you. We'd never have seen the real one. What? Genuine diamonds are completely transparent to x-rays. So, the diamond's safe and sound, and Larkin and his dearly beloved cousin are in the clink. Martha was a bit upset over what Larkin had done, but, well, she'll get over it. Yeah, and I sure hope I get over this headache. That brawl she threw for me by way of celebration was a dilly. Expense account total, including incidentals, and the trip back to Hartford... Call her 50 bucks. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. George Reed here, Johnny. Well, George, I'm really glad to talk to you. Why do you say it that way? Because every insurance case I handle for that company of yours pays me a nice fat fee. And right now I can use a little extra cash. Well, now, Johnny... So tell me all. What's Floyd's of England upset about this time? Well, I'm not sure. Uh Uh-oh, here we go again. But, Johnny, I just received a transatlantic telephone call from Paris, France, from a man who wanted to contact you but didn't know where to call you. And he identified himself only as Le Chagri. Ah, Le Chagri. It's French, Johnny. No. And I believe it means the gray cat. Yeah. And George, the name fits him. You know him, then? His real name is de Marsac. He probably knows more about the dark alleys and back streets of Paris. Oh? Uh-huh. Yeah, and about the people. In other words, the underworld. What did he call about? He mentioned the Blue Madonna. The what? It's a painting, Johnny. A small oil painting by a modern artist named Vincent Bardot. It's owned by Mr. Kingsley Holland down in Philadelphia. Yeah. It hangs in the Gavin Galleries, and we've insured it for $12,000. Well, what did he have to say about it? 
Only that you're to call him. His number there in Paris is uh, Orleans 57722. Uh-huh. That he has some very interesting information for you about that painting. Oh, sure. That he'll be glad to give me for a price. Exactly. I can't for the life of me figure what his interest is in it. If there were anything amiss, I'm sure the gallery would have called me. George, if you knew that character as well as I do, you'd okay my expense account without even looking at it and be willing to pay me that big fee I was talking about. What do you mean? Want to make a bet? What kind of a bet? I'll give you odds of ten to one that whatever's hanging in that gallery down there in Philadelphia is not the Blue Madonna. What? Now, look, Johnny, good heavens. George, I'll be talking to you. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To Floyd's of England, North American office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Blue Madonna matter. Expense account item one, $12 even for a phone call to my underworld contact in Paris, France. A man by the name of Dumarsac, who calls himself the Grey Cat. Oh, oui, Monsieur Dollar. This is your old, your very dear friend, Le Chagri. Very dear friend, huh? Now listen, you telephone George Reed that you have some real hot information about a painting his company insured. Ah, oui, Le Madonna Bleu. What did you call the Blue Madonna? Okay. How much do you want this time? Oh, monsieur, you touch me to the quick. While one might think that I slave and suffer and risk my life on your behalf only for money. How much, Demarsac? See, uh, $1,000. A thousand? Look, if your info's worth anything, I'll send you a check for 50 bucks. 50 bucks? No. Uh, 900? Okay, I'll make it 75. But, monsieur, uh, 750? How about an even hundred? 500. Two. Four? Three, that's final. Oh, please. 200? Okay, 200. Oui. Eh? No. It's all settled. 200 bucks. Now, what about the Blue Madonna? Uh huh, yes. It is now here in Paris. Yeah, where? In the shop of Monsieur Dubesson on the Rue du Pas de Lemoule. Dubesson? Huh. You sure it isn't just a copy that he'll try to foist it off on some wealthy sucker? <laughs> Dubesson is a crook, an evil crook. But he is an honest one. Oh, sure. Yes, and he knows the works of art. Also, he's very clever. To get his price, he will wait until the real Madonna is discovered missing. If it really is, that's what I'll check on now. And then you will you will send me the five hundred dollar, my very dear friend. Two hundred, remember? Ah, we we I cheated myself. But Monsieur. Yeah. Uh, suppose I could find out who smuggled the painting into him. Eh? Why? That would be uh, worth a lot to you, no? Say, a thousand? We'll see. I'll be talking to you. <laughs> Item 2, 420. I phoned to my old pal, Foster Harmon, down in Sarasota, Florida. Told him I'd pay his fare if he grabbed the first plane out and meet me in Philadelphia at the Bellevue Stratford Hotel. I knew that if anybody could identify the genuine painting, he could. Item 3, 940 for my own transportation to the city of brotherly love. Item four, nine, fifty cocktails and dinner for the two of us there at the Bellevue. 
Yes, the Blue Madonna is one of Vincent Bardot's best-known works. I don't think there's another living artist who could so effectively use various shades of just one color. But uh, what about it, Johnny? Well, first thing in the morning, I want you to come along with me and take a look at it. It's in the Gavin Galleries, isn't it, up on Walnut Street? Yeah, at least it's supposed to be. Suppose? Now, all I want you to do is take a good look at it, then reserve any comments until after we get out of the place. And... That's all. Well, but Johnny, Meantime, I... I want to check with the owner of that painting. The telephone directory gave me Kingsley Holland's address. Item 4, 620 for a cab to a small apartment house out in West Philadelphia. Holland turned out to be... Well, I'd say he was about 30, short, lean, and nervous. With the surly expression of a man who feels the world hasn't done right by him. Yeah? You mean you're interested in buying the blue banana? Well, it, uh, it all depends, Mr. Holland. Uh-huh. Uh, look, Dollar, uh, that's what you said your name is? Yes, that's right, Johnny Dollar. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Uh, well, anyway, listen. Yeah? That gallery's got a price of fifteen oh eighteen thousand on it. But if you want to buy it direct from me, and right now, I'll give it to you for twelve. Save yourself a few thousand bucks, and it'll save me having to pay them there 20%. But if you've already commissioned the gallery to sell it for you... So, I'll tell them I changed my mind, that I want to keep it. Then when they find out that I've sold it, well, let them try and catch up with me and collect. Because me, I'll be right back in little old gay Paris. Back in Paris? Sure, I'd be there still, only I ran out of money. 12000 huh? That's exactly what it's insured for. And that's what they appraised it for when I got it from my uncle's estate. With all his money, what does he die and leave me with but a lousy painting? Well, do you want it? Uh, let me think about it. I'm uh, staying at the Bellevue Stratford. Sure, sure. Just don't tell them at the Gavin Gallery about our little deal, huh? But those crooks don't know won't hurt it. Crooks? You think for a minute all that stuff they've got laying around the place is genuine? But the Blue Madonna is. You're sure? Huh? What do you mean by that? Just uh, stick around, Mr. Holland. Any reason why I shouldn't? I don't know. Is there? Now, wait a minute, Dollar. I'll be in touch with you. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Blue Madonna matter. At Kingsley Holland, the owner of the painting recognized my name. I thought so. And if a switch in that painting had been made and he knew about it, well, I'd do well to look out for him. Yeah, the more I thought about it, the more certain I became that whatever hung in the Gavin Galleries was not the Blue Madonna. Item five, another six bucks for a taxi back to my hotel. Item six, five eighty, breakfast the next morning for Foster Harmon and myself. By ten o'clock, we were at the Gavin Galleries, looking at a pretty modern, but I must say, beautiful painting. It's amazing, Johnny, amazing. The most extraordinary... Well, I, I just can't believe it. Can't believe what, Foster? That it's the real thing or just a good copy of it? Oh, good morning, sir. That's just I'll it. You see? I've helped these gentlemen. Johnny. Hold it, Foss. Uh, that painting, you know, is a genuine Bardot. Yeah? My name is Johnny Dollar. This is Mr. Foster Harmon. Gentlemen, I'm Arnold Gavin. Um, you're uh, interested in buying the Blue Madonna? If this is really it. Uh, Johnny, listen. Wait, Foster. Uh, what is the price of it, Mr. Gavin? Uh, 20000 Mr. A dollar, did you say? Yeah, but, uh, wow. Haven't you got a Bardot that's a bit cheaper? His Laconic Lagoon is priced at 10000 Holy. Well, how about a copy of this? Oh, 
Bardot has never allowed his works to be copied. Johnny, listen. Yeah, Foster, it looks like this stuff is too rich for our blood. No. Come on, let's go back to the Bellevue Stratford. No, listen. Uh, perhaps there's something else that might interest you. No, I'm afraid not, but thank you. That's quite all right. Johnny, listen. Come on, will you? Yeah, I'll uh, see you tomorrow, Mr. Gavin. Now, Johnny, just uh, take it easy. Well, Foss, it's a fraud, Johnny. It's a copy. I'm sure of it. Hey, hey, hey. Did you say that blue Madonna's a copy, mister? Yes. Wait, Foss. Well, I, I thought you were looking at it kind of funny there in the gallery. Yes, sir, it's a fraud. Foster. Uh, you don't mind my asking, uh, who are you? Uh, my name is Foster Harmon. Harmon? From the John Ringling Museum down in Florida? That's right. Well, then you ought to know. Now, just a minute, mister. Say, uh, aren't you Johnny Dollar, the insurance investigator? So what? Who are you? Me? Well, I'm Rupe Alloway of Transworld News Service. News Service? Oh, fine. Yeah, I'll see you, boys, and thanks a lot. Well, Foss, it looks like you opened your mouth and stuck my foot in it. Well, I'm sorry, Johnny, but what I said is true. That blue Madonna is an imitation, a phony. That much I already knew. At least I was pretty sure of it. But don't you see the amazing thing? Well, Johnny, that copy is so perfect, so exactly in the style of Vincent Bardot, even to little things, little idiosyncrasies that even the finest copyists couldn't match. Certain minute details about an artist's work are as distinctive, as impossible to copy as a man's own fingerprints. Yeah, well... What I'm trying to say is that if I didn't know every brush mark on the original... Okay, Foss, forget it. Forget it? Hey, listen... Kingsley Holland, the owner, and I wouldn't trust him for a minute. I think he knows who I am. If so, and if he knows that painting is just a copy, well, he's pretty sure to figure out what I'm doing here. Johnny, he must know it's a copy. If he gave it to the galleries to sell. Perhaps. Or maybe the switch was made after it was hung there. Then what you're saying is that either one of them could be responsible for the fraud. That's right. How well do you know the Gavin galleries? Well, they're not very big. You could see that for yourself. And, of course, they're rather new in the business. I think I'd better get a rundown on this Arnold Gavin while we're waiting at the hotel. Waiting? What for? Well, you, you plant a couple of seeds. You hope that one of them will sprout. I'm afraid I don't understand. Foss, I told both of them who I am and the hope they'd guess at why I'm here. I also gave them reasons to suspect I think that blue Madonna's a phony. Well, I'm afraid that I may have led Arnold Gavin to feel that way. Same thing. I also made it very plain to them that I'm staying at the Bellevue Stratford. In other words... Good heavens, Johnny, if you mean what I think you do. Yeah? Like what, Foss? You think that one of them, the crook, will come to the hotel and try to... Try... Well, don't you see, Johnny, knowing that you're on to him, he, he might try to kill you. Can you think of a better way to bring him out in the open? Johnny... Come on, let's get back to the hotel and wait. <laughs> Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. After all, there was no reason to drag Foster any further into this mess, although I knew he began to see it through. So I paid him for all his expenses. That's item seven, 151 even, and sent him on back to Sarasota. Item eight, 10 cents for a phone call to Sergeant Jerry Hawkins at police headquarters. About mid-afternoon, he called me back. Boy, did you ever start a riot. Well, what'd you find out for me about Gavin and Holland? Well, Holland's just a lazy kid that's been trying to live off his relatives all his life. And Gavin? Okay, so far as we know. But listen, you seen the papers? No. The story about that phony painting is on every wire service in the country. 
All you can see in the headlines is that name Bardot, and I don't mean Bridget. Johnny, you and that Foster Harmon ought to collect a publicity fee. Are you holding Gavin or Holland? Well, what on? Sure, the boys have questioned both of them, but unless we can show some evidence that one of them pulled the switch... Johnny, you got any ideas? Yeah, Jerry. Suddenly, I think maybe I have. Well, then start talking so I can make a pinch. No, I don't think you will. What do you mean, if you know who did it? Oh, I didn't say that, but, uh, Jerry, I've got a hunch, a real potent one, and if it's right... Yeah? Well, read tomorrow's papers. Huh? Item nine, half a buck for an evening paper and a tip for the bellboy who brought it up to me. Yeah, the sergeant was right. This was the most free advertising any artist has had in years. Prices on genuine Bardot's were skyrocketing. As for the fake Blue Madonna, I put in a fast call for Paris. But before the operator could get it through... Yeah? Arnold Gavin, Mr. Dollar. Well, Mr. Gavin... Do you see what has happened? Have you seen the papers? I sure have. And the police have closed my shop, my galleries. Can you blame them? But... Don't you understand? I've had offers of up to 30000 for the Madonna. I've received wires offering me nearly 20000 for the other Bardot, uh, the, the real one. No kidding. Well, I'll show you how much I'm kidding. I've cabled Bardot to paint some more for me, paint anything. Don't you see? After all this publicity, we'll make a million. So it was you that rigged this whole thing, huh, Gavin? I, Mr. Holland? Why, of course not. Sure, to raise the price of some of your lousy paintings. Well, how can you say that? You who gave me that copy. Expert. You trying to tell me you didn't know that was a copy? No. It was only this morning when the authority from Sarasota, uh, when I called in the people from the museum here in Philadelphia. Do you know what they said? What? And it better be good. They said the only one who could have made that copy... Wait a minute. The only artist in the world who could have possibly... Hold it. Hold everything. Holland, you said you got that painting from your uncle's estate. That's right. It was willed to me. Where did your uncle get it? Why, for... Well, listen. I'm listening. Dollar that Madonna was smuggled into. Smuggled? That's right. But by whom? Well, believe it or not. I think I can tell you who. And if this is my call to Paris, well, maybe I can even tell you where he is now. Johnny Dollar. This is your dear and faithful friend, Le Chagrie. Good. Now listen. And for the information I can give you this time, you will have to pay me a vast sum of money. You're about to tell me that the Blue Madonna was smuggled into Paris by none other than the artist himself. What's by Vincent Bardot. Exactly. So that should be worth it, but how did you know? All right. All I want to know now is where is he? You know. <laughs> He's not in Paris. Where is he? For a hundred bucks? A hundred and fifty? Three hundred. Oh, for that much, I'll find out for myself. Goodbye. No, no, no. Okay, 200 or I hang up on you. Well, only for you, my best, my oldest friend. Where? He is aboard the plane for the United States. I might have guessed it. He has the Madonna Blue with him. He received the cable this morning. Great. I'll send you a check. You hear any of that, Mr. Gavin? Holland? Well, uh, yes, but I'm afraid I don't understand. Well, I sure don't. Then maybe this call will help you. Sergeant Jerry Hawkins. Yes, sir. Sergeant Hawkins. You can have the boys in New York pick him up or wait for his plane to arrive here in Philadelphia. Johnny. If you're sure you really have any charges against him. What? Yeah, he's on his way in from Paris. The guy who painted the copy of the Blue Madonna. Or maybe this is really the original over here. Huh? 
Well, at any rate, he'll have the other copy with him. So do you want to tell the papers or shall I? Look, will you make sense? Oh, and his name is Bardot. Bardot? That's right, Vincent Bardot. Well? You you mean that he... that he painted two of them? Sure, with probably something like this in mind. But I can't And look, look what it's done for him. Put him on the map. Anything he paints now will net him a fortune. And I don't think you'll suffer particularly either, Mr. Gavin. Well, no. As for you, Holland, well, you'll get a lot more than you thought for that painting of yours. <laughs> Man, what a fast. Sure. But you know something? What, Mr. Dollar? Hmm. I just wonder if Le Chagris was in on this thing with him from the beginning. Le Chagris? So help me, I wouldn't put it beyond him. Sure. Sure he was in with Bardot, and probably collecting plenty from him. Anyhow, the insurance company isn't on anything, but I hope they'll be a lot more careful the next time they insure a painting, any so-called original. Expense account total, including 400 for Le Chagris, the hotel, and the trip back to Hartford, $620 even. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were G. Stanley Jones, Forrest Lewis, Harry Bartell, Joseph Kearns, Bert Holland, and Byron Kane. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> 